Are you just a little skeptical about the RV toilet paper they're trying to sell you for $4 for a four-pack? Or are you trying to figure out if you really need that $400 RV cover? We're going to talk about all the things that you don't need for your new RV on today's episode of RV Miles. And welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are so glad to have you here for the third episode of the RV Miles podcast. If you would like to find today's show notes, you can do so at rvmiles.com slash episode three. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you're interested in following Jason and I's personal full-time travel journey with our boys, you can find us at OurWanderingFamily.com, and we are also on social media there as well. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about one of our favorite places in the United States, the Gulf Islands National Seashore. I want to go back. Uh, we've got. Uh, we're going to talk about some some tips for new RVers, things that you might not need to buy, or that might make you really upset because <laughs> some of these tips upset some people. <laughs> uh, but first, we're going to get started with the news. Yep. So it's no secret. We talked about it last week that this is a really busy year for RVing. RV sales are up drastically. Mm-hmm. Everybody's noticing on the road. Campgrounds are busy. We saw uh, a. a press release recently that Glacier National Park had a record month of July, over a million visitors. A million visitors to Glacier in July. That is amazing. And so far that they're that they're having to place restrictions on parking. You can only park certain places for an hour. All kinds of so cool. things that need to be implemented because the rangers are really stretched. Well, and I thin. saw today on Twitter that Yellowstone said that their July was the third busiest on record for them. So it's great. Everyone's getting out to the national parks. They're supporting their national parks. And we aren't even to like what I think is the hottest topic on the national park scene. And that's... That's the solar eclipse. The total. The total solar solar eclipse. eclipse. (laughs) So 21 different national park service sites are within the path of of the eclipse, the path of totality. <laughs> it's the, really intense. <laughs> so the, all these parks will will be on a path where they will the the sun will be totally eclipsed by the moon um, for about two minutes or so. So the park service is really gearing up for this. They're putting together lots of ranger led events. They have NASA experts going to parks. You know, astronomers and and it's going to be wild. Um, but we're hearing also from some travel experts, whoever these experts are, that this might be one of the busiest travel days the U.S. has ever seen. Yeah, it's going to be wild, but in a totally, completely different, I don't like this kind of wild sort of way where (laughs) there is the potential for a lot of traffic, a lot of people. And, you know, it's not even just the national parks that are getting into it. I mean, all of these towns that are in this path 
have seen this huge kind of boost in tourism that's coming and all of their private campgrounds are booked, the state campgrounds and the forest preserves. And even now, like some cities are just opening up baseball fields and airfields. And I was hearing on NPR today that someone's renting out their lawn in Kentucky for $200 a night. Like, this is huge. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't really know that this was <laughs> happening until just like a few months ago. And there are some people who have been trying to book rooms like two years ago and hotels were like, we haven't opened up that window yet. There are, there are reports that some of these some of these areas that that don't normally have a lot of visitors they're talking about turning roads one direction they're talking about you not being able to get cell service because they don't have a lot of cell towers and their towers will be overwhelmed by all the people so it's going to be really interesting to see how all this shakes down some of these you know if you're going to camp at, in in some farmer's land with a couple hundred <laughs> other friends it's going to be a party. It's going to be a party. <laughs> but who knows, you know, what's the bathroom situation going to be like? Yeah, what's the, yeah. Yeah, it's all primitive camping. And, you know, I didn't do a, a ton of research to see everything that's out there, but I just kind of grabbed at some different states. And, you know, there's a 103-acre working farm in Oregon that's having a huge four-day event where their primitive camping, which it's all-inclusive, meaning food and entertainment and bands, and they're going to have astronomers on site, all of that is going to cost you like almost $1,200 for two people. Wow. There's a distillery, a distillery in Kentucky that has opened up their land. And that, that'd be cool. I have to say, if I had to pick, I would probably <laughs> go hang out at the distillery. But, you know, there again, primitive camping, $400 for an RV, I think, for four nights, yeah. you know. So it's not cheap to do this. It definitely could have its pitfalls, but it could also end up being a really cool opportunity. And, you know, we just happen to be in an area right now. We're still in the greater Kansas City, Missouri area, and we just happen to look out. Like, we don't really need to travel for this. We're going to get, I think, 98%. Yeah, it'll be 98% dark here. There'll be yeah. coverage of the moon and the sun. So we thought we could do without that 2% if, you know, it <laughs> saved us because... We could drive about 90 minutes to St. Joe, Missouri, and they're getting 100% coverage there. But I went to, you know, their town's website, and they have a lot going on. They have opened up airfields and baseball fields and for camping, and, you know, there is some concern about the restaurants there being able to handle everything. And we just kind of thought... Well, we don't need to add five more people yeah. to that. You know, ninety-eight percent is still pretty. Plus, we were going we were gonna make it a day trip, and I think it's a bad idea if you're near the zone, and you can go on, you know, all kinds of websites show the path of the eclipse. Um, I I don't think it's a good idea to travel on that day. You know, get where get there yeah. the day before, a couple days before. Plan yes. to leave the day after or two days after. And we have an article actually on rvmiles.com about the upcoming solar eclipse. And it does have some links in there where you can go like to the National Park Service's webpage to see sort of some of the, the path and what's happening. So, you know, we'll put that in the show notes. You can check it out for yourself. And if you're not going to 
be near the path. The National Park Service will be doing live streams of the eclipse from different park sites, which is cool. Very you cool. can also check in that article about tips for a safe viewing of, of the eclipse and, and all kinds of yes, stuff like that. We have our glasses. We're ready to go. <laughs> we are. <laughs> for that 98% <laughs> that we are going to get to see it. So there uh, you go. All right. Also in the news, uh, Rand McNally has come out with some new GPS units. Jason is so excited about this news. Like, it was like Christmas <laughs> when he read this press release. He was just thrilled. Well, we don't have a we don't have an RV-specific GPS. No, and this has been a discussion we've been having we use for a while. Go- we use Google Maps or Apple Maps mm-hmm. on, on our phone. And it, and it works fairly well it for does. us. Sometimes leads us down roads that we ought not to be going down. Maybe, yes, definitely. <laughs> but it, it would be nice to have, you know, some sort of permanent mounted GPS RV-specific unit that we can put our height in, we can put our length in, and it'll take us down roads that, you know, aren't so scary for us to be bouncing down. Yeah, and I would say the reason why we don't own one at this point in time was, I have to say, I was a little a little turned off by the price, but it seems like Rand McNally, now they've got these three new ones, they're hitting different price points so that you can have the option of getting in on this, but it'll, at a price you're comfortable spending, I think, they're like what between two hundred, two to two to four hundred, two to four. Yeah. So the two, first two models are just updates of their older models. So okay. they have the the RVND seven, which is two hundred bucks, and that's a navigation unit, um, sort of standalone. It doesn't have a lot of frills, but it's got their navigation software, right, which and is great. Free lifetime maps and lane assist, and it you know theoretically works really well. Um, and then the RV Tablet 70 is an upgrade of their tablet unit, which is really cool. I, I'm really interested in it because it's a big screen. Okay. It's essentially, it's an it's a Android tablet, and you use it as your GPS unit. So you can, you can pop it off its mount, and you can, you can plan your trip through it. They've got a great trip planning app. But you can also use, you know, Facebook. You can play games. You can you can put apps like All Stays and RV all your Parky, favorite all camping your apps. favorite camping yes. apps you can put on there and, and utilize those, sit around the campfire, plan out your route to your next stop. You can totally cool. geek out on this yeah. and just go crazy planning things out. The four hundred dollar unit is there is is sort of the new R V unit and it is called the overdrive and that's overdrive with a d-r-y-v-e seven they're so hip and cool rv (laughs) (laughs) and this is they've had this overdrive software um for a while now and what it does and this is the first time they've implemented an rv unit and what it does is it allows you to connect with your smartphone so that you can use the gps unit to also have hands-free calling, hands-free text, play your music, that sort of stuff. So I think that's all pretty cool. And those Um, are good price points. I mean, if that sounds like that $400 option, I mean, that's a lot of stuff and it can do, it sounds like it has a lot of bells and whistles. And at $400, like, I actually am, I'm pleasantly surprised that it seems within reach. Yeah. But I'm really interested in the, in the tablet 70 because for 300 bucks it's it's also got a included dash cam 
um, and a video input option. So you can have a backup or a rear view camera attached to it. And I think dash cams are really cool and I think they're great for, you know, if you get in an accident, you can have proof of what happened. All and right. I think that's useful. You know, Russians have, they all have dash cams. If you go to YouTube, there are just like a billion videos of Russian dash cams. Do you watch a lot of dash cam videos? Because like, um, I, oh my gosh, really? I've seen quite a few. Really? Well, I mean, you see Wait. all these wild wrecks and all kinds of crazy stuff. Dash cam videos are awesome. I know, but I just. And frightening. We've been together for a decade, and I just didn't know that you really liked <laughs> to watch dash cam videos. Like, this, exp- okay, you know what? This actually explains a lot now why you're always like, let's do dash cam videos, like when we're driving through a park. I just feel like They're I. They're cool. Along with the people who are listening right now, I just feel like I learned something new about you. You did. Wow. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> on that note, we'll be right back in a minute, and we are going to talk about some items that you really don't need to buy when you purchase your first RV. Yes, we are. We'll be back after this sponsored break. Are you looking to rent an RV? Or perhaps you'd like to rent out your own and make a little money? Whatever your needs, RV Share has you covered. As the fastest growing peer-to-peer online RV rental platform, RV Share is similar to Airbnb's concept of travel, but for RVs. Every rental booked through their secure payment system is backed by a $10,000 guarantee and includes 24-hour travel concierge and roadside assistance. With options across the country, there's an RV rental or renter out there for you. For more information, visit rvmiles.com slash rvshare and get started today. All right, Abby, are you ready with your answer to last week's brain teaser? I'm ready for last week's brain teaser. I'm not ready to provide you with an answer, though. Why not? Because... I forgot about it and didn't try to come up with one. (laughs) All right. Well, for a reminder, this is how it went. Okay. It's called the bikes and the bee. Oh, yes. I remember now. We actually changed it so that we could save the bee. That's right. Thank you. Okay. Continue, please. Two bikes are traveling toward each other at a constant speed of 10 miles an hour. When the bikes are 20 miles apart... A bee flies from the front wheel of one of the bikes toward the other bike at a constant speed of 25 miles an hour. As soon as it reaches the front wheel of the other bike, it immediately turns around and flies at 25 miles an hour toward the first bike. It continues this pattern back and forth until the two bikes come together and the bee narrowly escapes being squashed between their two front tires. Yes. It's giving anybody some, you know, frightening memories of story problems in <laughs> in grade school math. I'm sorry. You know, this bee's got to be like really <laughs> tired at this point. <laughs> so this this problem it was a little it was a little trickier than it needed to be. The easiest way to think about this is in terms of time, right? Okay. So you've got two bikes. They're 20 miles apart. They travel 10 miles an hour. So they're going to meet in one hour. Because they each go 10 miles, right. which is 20 miles. They meet in one hour. And the bee is going 25 miles an hour. Right. So, so the bee is the flying for an hour. Flying for an hour. 
So the bee flies 25 miles. That's just cute. Pretty cute. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that was a really good one. I actually liked that one more than I liked the dictionary one from the week before. I'm glad you did. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you are just now catching up on this week's episode and I just gave away the answer for our very first brain teaser. (laughs) Jason made me do it. (laughs) We'll have a new brain teaser at the end of the show. We will. So... For this segment, we wanted to talk a little bit about some things that you don't need when you go out and purchase your first RV, or even if you're not a first-time RVer, some of the things that you, you you know, we all go out and we, we when we buy our RV, we are at Camping World and we see all the stuff and we just think we need to grab it all and we need to throw it in our RV. Camping we World <laughs> is like it's my dang, happy place. It's dangerous. It's right up there with going to Target and going to Cabela's and I just like to walk through there and it's really hard. I mean, I want to buy all the stuff. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Even the RV toilet paper there, which <laughs> I know you're about to say is something we shouldn't buy. <laughs> so... So what I did, I, I I made a post in a big Facebook RV group about things, you know, asking for input on things that you that you bought that you didn't need, you know, um, and got a lot of responses from people. And I sort of compiled compiled them into an article and uh, and added some of my own stuff. Well, I shared this article <laughs> and also got a lot of feedback. Some people are not happy with some of these suggestions. <laughs> But the whole point of this is it's not that you shouldn't have any of these items. It's not that you can't have any of these items. It's not that there's anything wrong with them. It's just that don't go out and buy them first. Wait till you get in your RV, figure out how you live in your RV, and you can always buy stuff on the road. You don't, you don't have to buy stuff before you get into your RV. It's just food for thought. You know, it's suggestions. And if you find yourself at Camping World and you buy the RV toilet paper, you don't have to think to yourself, oh, but Jason over at RV Miles told me I can't have this. (laughs) Well, you can have it. But these are just suggestions for maybe you could, instead of buying that RV toilet paper, you could tuck that money away and do something else with it and get a little bit more bang for your buck. Yeah. So we're not gonna we're not gonna do everything on this list here, but you can check out the list on the website. It'll be available in the show notes. And you can leave Jason a message and tell him whether or not you agree <laughs> with him because he really does actually like to engage people in conversations about RV products. You can you can send me a message at editor at rvmiles.com or you can comment on any of our Facebook posts, send a Facebook message or tweet him. Tweet us. <laughs> so so first one so first one is rv toilet paper rv and toilet paper it's it's the quintessential thing that you know you put the words rv on and slap a couple extra bucks on it and sell it to people who think that they need it and and you might be told that you are supposed to have a special toilet paper for your rv and while it's true you do want a toilet paper that is going to break down easily because Our, nobody wants what happens when toilet paper doesn't break down in the black tank. Yeah, you don't want a, a big, hard pyramid of that toilet paper. That is so gross. <laughs> <laughs> so what you can do is you take take some toilet paper, put, it, put a piece of it, a, a square of it, into a jar of water. Shake it up. If it breaks apart in 15 seconds, it's great to use in your RV. All and right. there, you can go on YouTube, again, with the YouTube, there are 
people that do this and have tested lots of different brands of toilet paper. And sometimes the RV toilet paper, you know, it's one ply, it's thin, it's rough on your butt. Nobody likes it. (laughs) It sometimes doesn't actually perform in the water test as well as some major regular brands of toilet paper. Now, let me ask you, because we have a compost toilet in Bussy. Yeah. Now, would this, for people who are listening who have also opted to go compost, would this kind of test work for the compost toilet? Because I was under the impression that it it would not. Yeah, it doesn't really matter so much in the compost toilet. You know, it, it can't hurt that the toilet paper breaks down a little bit easier, but the the recommended that area of the the compost toilet is dry right so that toilet paper really is breaking down from uh from the composting process instead of breaking down from water so it matters less so grab some toilet paper throw it in a jar shake it up with some water and decide for yourself whether or not you need that special rv paper or if Charmin will cut it. Yeah, actually, Charmin Ultrasoft and uh, and the Angel Soft brand are are two of the most commonly used by RVers. So cool. If you get those, you should be. All right. What's another controversial there. item? So camping memberships. Camping memberships. And camping memberships can be great, like Passport America, Good Sam KOA, even the expensive Thousand Trails. Thousand Trails. Yep. You know, something that you're buying into. All of those can be great. They can be great. Don't go purchase them all at once when you buy your new RV. Yeah. I think essentially like what you're saying here in this article about camping memberships is that, yes, they're great to have and we have some ourselves, but get out on the road first and find out what kind of camper you are, like what kind of place you like to stay at. You know, we tend to be people who like to stay more at national parks, state parks, forest preserves, and so we don't particularly need a lot of camping memberships that, you know, are used in private campgrounds. But you may be, once you get out on the road, you may end up at a KOA one day and think, oh, this is this is it. I love everything that KOA has to offer because KOAs are really great. And I'm going to become a KOA member. But we're just saying maybe take a little bit of time first because some of these memberships are expensive and it can get really expensive out on the road and these kind of fees can start piling up. Yeah, and the less expensive ones, they're usually sort of a simple math problem. Yes. You know, if you're getting a Thousand Trails membership or if you're getting a Passport America membership, yeah. you know, it's 40 bucks. You're you're usually going to save that in three or four nights. So buy it just about when you're going to book a Passport America site. And that way, you know, your membership starts right then and then you have a whole year. If you buy it right away and then you don't end up using it for three months, you've just wasted a quarter of your membership. Right? Yeah. And for something expensive like Thousand Trails, you really want to see what those parks are like. And if they're in places you want to go before right. we get to them. Right. And, you know, we know a lot of people out on the road who absolutely love Thousand Trail memberships. And generally... Just what we hear across the board and what we've already said is they kind of make that decision or that discovery out on the road, not before, because it's just so hard to know who you're going to be on the road and what you're going to gravitate to until you're actually out there doing it. Yeah. So that's that's our little spiel on camping memberships. (laughs) What's next? RV covers. RV covers. Okay. This is really your area. You go. 
you know, it makes sense that you would cover your RV in the winter, you know, in your off season to protect it uh, from the sun's rays, to protect it from the snow and the rain. You know, you don't want to get water leaking in. But RV covers have their own problems. And I'm not saying that they're terrible and that you shouldn't have one. All I'm saying is they're, they're not as great as you think, and they're not completely necessary. So the thing is, an RV cover can often blow in the wind, and flapping can wear down your paint. So if you don't have it on well, or if you don't have a, one that fits snugly to your RV, it can wear down the finish on your RV. Okay. Also, an RV cover itself can develop a leak. You know, you're trying to keep your RV from getting a leak, but the cover might develop a leak. And what happens when a cover develops a leak is that water gets in underneath the cover and it can't evaporate out. So it might just be sitting there pooling on the roof of your RV or it might freeze in the winter. Not good. You know, and, and it could cause some serious issues. So I think my recommendation is if you're in a place that has a ton of snow and you can't get to your RV to brush the snow off the roof when it does snow, that maybe you want to get a cover. Or if it's going to be parked under like a lot of trees or something, that might make sense to have a cover. Especially ones that yeah. have a lot of dripping sap. We've had right. a little situations a couple times with that just on the car. That's Other than that, annoying. I think if you keep it waxed, you know, wax it twice a year or so, wax it before you put it away, I think that does a better job of protecting your RV and your RV's finish. And, and you save, you know, that's several hundred dollars of getting a cover. Do they make bus covers? They do make bus covers. Do they really they make do. school bus covers? Yeah, they do. Should we get one? We travel in a school bus. We by do. The way. We do. We travel in a uh, 2002 Thomas converted school bus. We spent a year converting Bussy. We love her. No, we live in our bus, so having a cover would kind of be useless for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played, hun. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> Excuse me. So the next thing is miniature tools. Oh, we have experience in this yeah. one. We were suckers. I, I, I bought this. I bought this. This axe and knife, a little hatchet. Are we going to call miniature. it a hatchet? Because I really just feel like it's a tiny hatchet. It's a glorified it's a normal, knife. It's 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 a hatchet. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things they have them at Walmart. It's wrapped in paracord. For the handle, it's just like a flat stamped piece of steel, and they wrap the handle in paracord. And because you never know, right? Never they know. pretend you're going to use that paracord. You're going to take it off, and it's going <laughs> to save your life. You're going to be falling down a mountain, and you're going to use it to uh, absolutely. I don't you know. never know. You never know. So this thing couldn't cut a twig, right? I can't. I can barely cut food. I literally have used it to cut food because <laughs> that's all it's really good for. And the the thing is that miniature tools often don't perform the job that they're supposed to do very yeah. well. So if you have like a teeny tiny screwdriver, it's probably not going to work on your normal size screw very well. A teeny tiny hammer isn't going to pound in a nail very well. And you're in an RV, you've got a little bit more room than a tent camper. It's okay. Your RVs have issues. There are things that you're going to need to fix over time. You're going to need to hang a cabinet door back on. You're going to need to put a a cabinet knob on or whatever, you're going to fix a lock. So have a set of normal sized tools that you can use to repair your RV. If you need to, you can have multi-purpose tools. That's great. But the little tiny stuff, don't worry about. That's a bad way to save space. Yeah, this is true. And then you won't have to be like Jason, who one day just said, that's it. 
and threw down the little glorified knife, jumped in the car, drove to the Home Depot. I bought, bought a an giant actual... six-pound <laughs> wood-splitting head, three-foot-long axe. And then came home and <laughs> chopped himself some wood and was very, very happy. So along those lines... Let's talk about the the plastic egg carton. The egg carton, <laughs> yes. And uh, it, so you've seen them—the little yellow plastic egg holder. They're cute. They're cute. They're great for tent campers. They're great. We own if you have, one. We have one, and it was great for us when we were a tent camping family, for sure. And so this is not a specific. This is a dollar fifty item. Not a big deal. But the point being, there are gadgets out there that are meant to make tent camping easier. Mm -hmm. And this plastic egg crate is one. You put your eggs in it, you put it into your cooler. The the cardboard egg crate is then not getting soggy in your, your ice, and it protects the eggs. If you have a fridge in your RV, you probably don't need that. And there are all kinds of other items like that. We have sporks. We bought sporks. I wanted those sporks I know, to work there's out a... so bad. And they were just so great because everyone had their own color. And of everything that we've bought, like camping, silverware-wise, those broke first and they were the most expensive. And we thought, oh, we need to save room and we need to save weight. We have room for forks and spoons for everybody. <laughs> I know, it's but okay. <laughs> it's just cool to have them. And they didn't work out. And I wanted to go buy new ones before mm -hmm. I sort of was like... Yeah. Oh my gosh, if I go buy a whole new set, it's yeah. X amount of dollars. And I thought, well, you know, these MSI outdoor, like hard plastic individual silverware pieces have been great. Yeah. And they're only 99 cents each. So that's what we've been doing. And I highly recommend those. Yeah, sleeping bags are another example. A lot of people yeah. buy sleeping bags to use in their RV. And, you know, you have beds, use sheets and blankets and pillows. And, you'll be happy and comfortable. And I think for us, it was sort of that transition from being a tent camping family yeah. to an RV family. You sort of hang on to a little bit of that, you know, packing small and light mentality, which is important, but you you are enclosed in a vehicle and you have a little bit of flexibility. And you yeah, have for drawers sure. for your utensils. I think the biggest thing to take away, though, too, when you're talking about, like, the camping gadget aisle as you walk down, you know, your... Cabela's or Camping World is that things that are made by Coughlin's, I think is the company that oh, makes I don't like know. all the egg crates, all of the the, all the campfire roasting forks, the, the all the things that we want. It's yes. just hard. Like when you're walking down those aisles and you're seeing all this stuff and the next thing you know, like your cart you don't know how they get into your cart, but they're just in your cart and you're like, Oh, I have to have this, I have to have this. You get so <laughs> wrapped up in this world because you love it so much. Yeah. And then if you just take a step back and you be like, Do I really need this item? Right. And if you can say to yourself, I need this. Yeah then you should get it and, and do that for yourself. But often what happens, you know, anytime I go shopping at a favorite place of mine is next last, you know, I've got like 20 things in the cart, but really I only came for two. Yeah. So well. anyway, so those are, <laughs> so on that note, there will be a link in the show notes to this article. You can totally go check it out for yourself. We just kind of gave a few of the things that are on there. There are several more as well. And we'd love to hear what does and doesn't work for you. Or if you have something to add to the list, that would be great to yeah. hear too. We can just kind of keep building on this. Absolutely. All right? Yeah. 
On that note, we'll be right back, and we're going to talk about Gulf Islands National Seashore. Yay! We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, I think something that I've noticed is that... A lot of us RVers and campers think about the national parks and wanting to visit all the 58 national parks in the country, and we're we're excited about all the big ones, right? you know, like Yellowstone and Yosemite. And I think sometimes we forget about the other sites that the National Park Service has. And sometimes we think that maybe they're lesser because they're not a national park. And we found certainly that that is without a question untrue earlier this year in April when we visited Gulf Islands National Seashore. Yeah, this was one of the best experiences we had had so far, like out on the road, just because the conditions were so perfect. The location is so beautiful and we didn't really have any expectations going into it. So we were able to kind of absorb everything just as it was given to us and be surprised Mm -hmm. by it. We had a great time, and I there are a couple pictures that one I recently put up on the Our Wandering Family Instagram feed that, man, just make me want to jump back in the bus and just start driving for Pensacola because it just was so good. So the Gulf Islands National Seashore is a, it's a swath of seashore, including a bunch of barrier islands, on the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. between Ocean Springs, Mississippi and Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. And we started our journey on the Mississippi side. Yeah, we were coming from New Orleans yes. and we took our journey across the the northern part of the Gulf Coast and we spent several nights in Ocean yeah. Springs at the Davis Bayou the campground. Davis Bayou um and uh And it was great because especially if you are like a digital nomad, if you're working on the road, the Davis Bayou was tucked nice and far where you felt removed and you were camping, but we were only five minute drive to a Starbucks. Right, right in the city. Yeah. Yeah, And so it was really great because- Some great donuts. What was that donut place called? Stan's Donuts. That was like a recommendation from a friend who just- so happened her husband was from Ocean Springs, Mississippi, saw that we were there and said, you must yeah. get donuts. And I did as she said. I got there early and I still had to wait in line, got some chicory coffee from there. Highly recommend. But that's kind of this really cool thing about uh, Ocean Springs, Mississippi, is that you have this really cool kind of section of the Gulf Island National Seashore, but it's still not so completely removed that if you do need to work or maybe you need to just kind of you know, get your provisions and get fueled up and whatever, you've got this spot you can do it in. And it's so gorgeous. And everyone at the campground was so nice. Mm -hmm. That ranger program was really cool that we went to with the kids. Like, I just thought it was great. It is a, uh, the the Davis Bayou campground is uh, electric and water only. However, there are other campgrounds in the area if you you need full hookups. Um, And... The Davis Bayou is it's it's not the popular side of the park. No, not at all. But there's so much great to do, and we went on some some awesome nature trails that take you through the 
the bayou as it transforms into marshes and, you know. Yeah, that was a really interesting walk. And that was a lot of fun to kind of see the progression of the landscape. And I think it was a really nice sort of introduction to the Gulf Island National Seashores as a whole. You know, it's definitely not kind of this, you know, the visitor center was just, it was okay. It's a typical smaller National Park Service type visitor center but the 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 boardwalk trail leading right off of the visitor center we saw an alligator we saw we snakes did. lots of birds we lots did. of songbirds abby's terrified of snakes i am so afraid of snakes <laughs> and it seems like that's all my children want to talk to me about is snakes and I was really proud of myself on this trail. Well, what's I nice was, about it is you're on this elevated boardwalk. You're not high off the the the, no. the swamp water, um, but you're a couple feet up, so you can see this wildlife down below you. And it's usually not up on the boardwalk itself, so you feel a little bit of separation. Yeah, from I it. was really impressed with this walk, mm-hmm. like, and the fact that you could have such an up close sort of experience with nature and to be able to see that alligator, you know, I know some people will probably clutch their pearls, but like, you know, we were only a couple of feet from it and mm-hmm. it was laying there and we got to kind of quietly and respectfully, you know, observe it and then move on. Yeah. And, and I think th- there's not... You can spend a lot of time at Davis Bayou doing, you know, some trails and, and things. But you could also come in just for a day. It's a it would be a great stop. Yeah, just, for sure. Just to on your way through, just stopping if you're driving that great route along the coast, um, and and you're really close to things like Biloxi. You could go into Biloxi and do all mm-hmm. the crazy the stuff there, the casinos, <laughs> the beaches, and yeah. and all that, which we did and enjoyed fishing. Yep. Um, and, you know, we were there for a rather busy time of year for them because it's the spring and that's kind of like the place to be during that time of year. And we lucked out and we got, I think, like three nights there. And while we were there, you know, we weren't intending to continue on this journey with the Gulf Island National Seashore. But we just kept hearing, you've got to go to Fort Pickens. You've got to go to Fort Pickens. You know, you would love it. It's so beautiful. And we took that recommendation from our campground hosts. And we thought, let's see if we can get some time over there in Pensacola. And man, you know, I'm so glad that we took that recommendation. And, you know, we had to be really flexible once we got over to Pensacola because that is definitely the more popular of the two campgrounds. But I appreciated that like people were noticing that our, we were taking an interest in this, you know, environment and they wanted to kind of continue that experience for us. And so we did, we left from ocean Springs and headed for Fort Pickens. Yeah. And so on the Davis Bayou side, there is part of the park is called West Ship Island that you can take a boat out to. Oh, that's right. I where, forgot about where that. There's a, where there's a big fort um, that you can visit. But on the Fort Pickens side, and we didn't we didn't take advantage we of Ship not. Island because no. it was a big cost to get out there for the day. But on Fort Pickens, you are actually driving out onto one of the barrier islands and staying on a campground on the island and there's a big pre-Civil War fort there. What an amazing drive that is once yeah. you get past the entrance. So you, you, it's you, just 
you drive in through Pensacola and you know it's a it's a beachy town it's an island town there's lots of people it's so colorful it's colorful <laughs> they're having fun there's spring breakers there yes it, we were there during beaches. spring break but then you enter the national park service property you pay ten dollars to get on there and that's good for your whole stay or i think it's good for a week yeah it's a week it's a week and there's nobody out there or at least there wasn't when we were there in april yeah you know it's very the campground was fairly busy the campground was packed but the beaches are nobody's at all there's no miles and miles and miles of beaches that that are you know you can have to your own, and you take this drive down this skinny it's nine island. Miles, I you think, see water on either side of you, sandy beaches on either side of you, and all the way at the end of the island is a pre-Civil War fort. And they actually, the only time that it actually saw fire was during the Civil War. Yep. Um, when when it fought with another fort on the other side of the water. Our boys thought that that fort was just one of the coolest things that they had ever been in. And I remember our seven-year-old wanted me to keep making these films of him on my phone talking about the fort because he had two little friends back in Chicago (laughs) that he just knew that Oliver and Ezra would love what he was doing. And so I was going around filming him and he was talking about the things that he had learned about this fort and kind of walking them through. And I thought... If this isn't sort of like what the National Park Service is meant to do, it's meant to like sort of light this fire in us. And it was so great to see Ethan just love that space. Yeah, and it's, it's, you can walk through it on your own. It's not, there are guided tours, but you, it, you don't have to go on a guided tour. No, you, you they have self guided tours. You can explore on too. your own. And so the, our government built all of these forts all up along the coastline, they go all the way up through the north, to protect our shores. Uh, they built them in the early 1800s. and But over time, as technology improved, they kept adding to them, and they kept putting these new gun batteries in. So all over the island, there are these different gun batteries from different eras. And when I say gun battery, these are, I mean, they're massive cannons, yeah, right? they were... <laughs> They were serious. It's, they weren't fooling around. I think I wrote in the in the blog post that we wrote about this that it's kind of like being on an episode of Lost. Where oh, you're, yeah. You're discovering, like, all these weird military installations from the Dharma Initiative on <laughs> this deserted <laughs> island. It just kind of goes against the landscape, right? Right. the items are so sort of cold and, and really rigid themselves. And the island, the space is, you know, crystal waters and sugar sand and beautiful blue skies and it is such an interesting like juxtaposition to like walk amongst that and then go and put your toes in the water and it really is like this beautifully magical place I can't say enough about it and you know the boys we did a junior ranger program and what's interesting about this junior ranger program is that it's for both sides of the Gulf Island National Seashore. So you can get this booklet and it'll have questions about the Fort Pickens, but then it also had questions about the Davis Bayou. So we were kind of able to utilize that Junior Ranger program for both sides, which was great. And I thought they learned so much from it. Yeah, and and the nature is just fantastic. Ospreys, oh, uh, they're wow, nesting ospreys. Yes. Oh, we, yeah. Little osprey chicks all over the beach. 
they like scurry up to the water to like to to you know get something out of the sand and then the wave rolls in and they run back it was it was the cutest was thing so and then you've great. got these big huge full grown ospreys ospreys flying through the air circling around and over the, little the crabs. campground Remember and the little, little, little crabs ghost crabs running, running across, across the road yes and i have to say you know for us this was really kind of the first time that our boys had experienced um the gulf yeah. And had experienced the Gulf Shores. And, you know, I feel like maybe one of the reasons why this was so, um, just left such an impact on us was because we were really all kind of sharing something that we had never done before. And it really hit home while we were there that this is why we're on the road full time, or this is why we want to travel as much as we want, because pictures can't do this place yeah. justice. And, I am so thrilled to go back. And, you know, one of the things with this campground is it is really popular. And I think we were there for four or five nights and we moved three times. Yeah, because we hadn't planned to head there in advance. Yes. We we got some last minute sites that were... Mm-hmm. That were available from cancellations and then we had to move a few times to be able yeah, to... Yeah, and the campground itself yeah. is, is really well kept. Mm-hmm. You know the sites are not really shaded. You know we not were not really shaded. There's not they're pretty, fairly close to each other. Yeah. We were roasting a couple days, <laughs> you know, but it was great to be roasting yeah. in April. If you're a Chicagoan, like to say I was wearing, you know, a bathing suit in April, that's like unheard of. So you know we were happy to have that, and they had a really great. I thought the bathhouse was really nice. I thought the layout was really great. They had three different loops, and you know we encountered everyone. Just you know was mm-hmm. wonderful. I can't say enough about this place. And you're you're right next to Pensacola, which mm-hmm. Pensacola is 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 a nice town to be in too. Lots of restaurants, lots of seafood if you're We did. Into we enjoyed that, that boardwalk mm-hmm. and um I can't exactly remember what the name of that particular place was, but we had some pizza and we walked around, got a little bit of ice cream and you know, that was kind of like a really nice evening in Pensacola as well. So we were able to kind of have a little bit of both, but it is this really cool experience to drive onto this island and drive that nine mile stretch that kind of winds through to take you into your campground area. And what's really neat, especially if you're if you're a military buff, you know, I think this campground, this this area has something for everybody. If you're yes. a nature person, if you're a history person, that's a really if good you're point. A, yeah, into the military or you're a veteran, so we're right across the bay from the uh, the Pensacola Naval Air Base. Yes, and the Blue Angels are stationed there. That's right. They flew over. So they practiced there, and they were flying directly over our campground. It was. And, the best. and while we were there, they were actually training a French team uh, of pilots. So they actually were doing formations of like 14 planes at a time, yeah. zooming over our campground. The whole campground was like outside of their rigs, and everyone's heads were like and up in the air. I, it's so interesting to me that there's that naval, there's that, there's that air base there because, you know, what made these sort of these these uh, forts up along the coast obsolete was. Jets, airplanes, you know, air warfare made it so that we didn't need that anymore. So you get to sort of experience the progression of it. And so you can go visit the Naval Air Station. Yes. And there is an awesome museum there, the National Naval Aviation Museum. This was 
the one of the coolest museums we've been to, and we go to a lot of museums. It is massive, and it has just every jet and plane imaginable in, I think, like three or four different huge hangars that you walk through. Yeah. And it's totally free. It's free. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I kept thinking, oh, well, this must be like a free day. Yeah. No, it's free. It's free. You can Always. pay to do like the IMAX movie and there's a couple things you can yeah, add on. Yeah, But you know what? They had a restaurant in there and the prices at the restaurant were like, you know, six bucks a meal. Yeah, they were really decent prices. So, but this, it, it's, you can get in, uh, they have a, a Marine One that was Ford's and Nixon's. So you, mm-hmm. can, you can take a peek at that. There are lots of cop- cockpits that... Kids can get into, adults yeah. can get into, lots of Blue Angel cockpits. Like they, they had those too, yeah. And they had a great little um, play area just specifically mm-hmm. for kids that had different, um, I think there was like a helicopter and a couple planes and stuff that they could yeah. get in that was specific for them to get in and play and be rough with and climb around. And I think that that was such a smart thing to do too because it gave the boys the opportunity to sort of satisfy that need, which was, you know, I want to get into every single plane in here, but I can't. So, you know, we had a a great time, and I don't even think we saw it all. And we were there for a long time. It's definitely an experience that can fill the whole day. Yeah. And if you want to fill multiple days on the base, there's also another fort Mm -hmm. out on on the base. And then there's a lighthouse that you can climb to the top of as well. So really recommend going to to the naval air base in Pensacola. And then there's another part of the, the Gulf Islands National Seashores, the, the, where the park headquarters is. That's the It's called the Live Oaks area. Oh, right. And we didn't spend a ton of time here. We didn't no. go out on the trails, um, but we did go to the visitor center, got our junior ranger badges, and, 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 uh, and sort of took a tour of the little And, you know, I was confusing there. those two. That was the visitor center that I thought was in Ocean Springs. And yeah. I was like, meh. That one... Yeah. The headquarters one was just so-so. It's so-so. It, that's it's, the so-so one. Well, it's so the Live Oaks area, the interesting thing about it is it's the oldest federally managed land. Essentially, it's the beginning of the National Park Service. Yeah. And what what it is is these live oak trees are are the trees that they would use because they had crooked arms and things to cut ship parts out of because they could get the right yeah. shapes for for our military's first navy. So the the navy used this land and and developed it to make ship parts out of yeah. essentially. So again, there's all this history there's there so much. there's this intertwined with nature. It literally has something for everybody down there. It's like industry Nature, kind of, and how the two were working yeah. together in a time that, you know, is long past. And so I think if this is not an area that you've ever considered putting on your, like, must-do list, we can't recommend it enough to you. Like, really get down there, enjoy some time, and spend some time, you know, because there is so much to do. And, you know, you want to give yourself, like, a couple days, too, to just, like, lay on the beach. Just lay on and the beach. And put your feet mm-hmm. in that sand which was so soft and wonderful so there you have it that is um kind of our uh take on the gulf island national seashore both on the mississippi side and the florida side all right are you ready for this week's brain teaser i am we've come to that part of the podcast where it is time to tease our yeah. brains <laughs> <laughs> all right so 
Every day at noon, in France, an ocean liner heads to New York every day at noon. At the same time, simultaneously, in New York, an ocean liner sails to France every day at noon. The crossing takes seven days and seven nights in either direction. So the question is this. How many ocean liners will an ocean liner leaving France today pass at sea by the time it arrives in New York? Next week, I'm reading the brain teaser and you have to guess, just so you know. <laughs> just so you know. Um, so I'm, like I say every week, I swear, I, <laughs> I'm going to walk away and I'm going to think about this one and we're going to come back. If you know the answer, <laughs> help me out to this brief stain, brain teaser. Leave a leave us a leave us a message on the show notes page uh, or on Facebook or send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com. Yeah, and All that's right. it for this week's episode. That is, and so we're gonna go jump in the bus and start making our way towards Pensacola <laughs> <laughs> because I'm ready to go now. So, and on that note, uh, everyone just keep on logging those RV miles. And please, if you liked today's podcast, we would be so grateful if you would subscribe, if you would rate us on iTunes, um, and if you would share us around and let people know um, so that we can get in more people's ears. That'd be awesome. All right, everybody. See you next week. See ya. See ya.